We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Everybody and welcome back to another edition of the Dynasty Tradecast, brought to you this week by myffpc.com. As always, I'm your host Eric Bertzloff, better known on Twitter as at Dynasty Trades. Joined by my faithful co-host Nathan Powell. What's up, Nathan? I just tell you what, uh, Eric. The the Eric, sh- you know, the Eric. The, I don't have an Eric shrine. I have a Dan shrine. The Dan shrine yeah. d- didn't work this week, but um, you know, I'm going to cut a few hairs up more off. I don't know how I'm going to do that, but. Uh, the Dan Shrine will work. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. Next week, I'm, I'm, I'm calling it. Are they like the darker curly kind of hairs? Or what, <laughs> what kind of Dan hairs did you get? Pubic. Oh, okay. I was I was dancing around it and you just hit it with, you just, just smashed into it with a lead pipe. Perfect. That's great. Well, well, uh, we have a guest today, Nathan, and that is uh, Jordan. How do you spell your last name? Jordan McNara? McNara? McNamara. McNamara. I was definitely screwing that up. By the way, Jordan, I, it's it's it's. Uh, I don't know if you listen to the show, but I am notorious for butchering people's last names. That's all right. I've had my name said and spelled about as many ways as you could possibly count, so it's all good. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Well, as a dude whose last name is Bertsloff, I can really relate. So mine has been demolished over the years. Middle school wasn't that nice, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, make sure you check out McNamara uh, Dynasty on Twitter. And then also him, you, you also write for uh, for Under the Helmet, UTHDynasty.com. And you have a book. Yes, I do. I do have a book. Um, the Analytics of Dynasty, it's finally out. Uh, it took me about 10 months to write it. Uh, it's finally out. Uh, you can find it at analytics. Of, uh, you can find it at analyticsofdynasty.com. Um, I have some content up there, which is just some uh, just some articles, some fun things I found along the way. I haven't released a lot of the content from the book because I wanted the people that bought the book to get the full the full benefit of of the research that they bought. So I don't have a ton of the you know the secrets from the the secret sauce from the book if you will on the website but i do have some fun things with just some players like james connor and um you know just some players that i sort of fun things i fell in love with along the way um you can find that there and you can get the book analytics of dynasty.com analyticsdynasty.com slash shop there's two options basically the book by itself is thirty dollars comes in pdf fashion once you purchase the book you'll get a link to download it immediately Um, and i also have a uh, a strategy session that comes along with the book for $50. So we get together. I, I actually, just before we got on the air to record, I was doing one with a subscriber. Uh, we were talking some team building. Uh, we made a pick on the clock. It was a lot of fun. So um, Whoa, somebody drafting right now. Wow. Yeah. He was drafting. We, we had some talks about some trades and it was good. It was, it's a lot of fun. They're, they're as fun for me. And like, I learned as much from them. Uh, you know, from the the purchaser in terms of how how to think about dynasty and stuff. It's a it's a great it's a lot of fun for me as well as I think them. So um, so yeah, you can get that you can get that as well uh, at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. So yeah, that's Jordan, the option yeah. of the strategy session. I, I was going to hop in and say that twenty dollars for a strategy session is extremely cheap. It's a, a great uh, choice if you're looking to buy uh, Jordan's book, but. You know, this podcast is free. So we're, we're basically getting a strategy session with Jordan McNamara right now for $0. So um, we're basically highway robbering you. Is that right? We're like the robbers on the highway or no, no, we're, we're the unsuspecting individuals on the highway that are getting robbed. That makes, that makes total sense. Well, yeah. And actually Jordan, you might also be, I cannot verify this off the top of my head, but you might be the first person who has written a book on dynasty that we've had on the podcast. Nathan. I'll confirm it. No, fact checked. it has been fact checked and lawyered. That's a, uh, that's fabulous. Well, welcome to the show, Jordan. Uh, he's going to join us to chat through uh, chat through a couple things. So let's just do a quick show rundown here. Um, we're going to talk through sophomore uh, sophomore players going or players going into their sophomore year rather, and talk about whether or not we feel like they're going to uh, exceed their valuation right now or uh, slump in their second year. Uh, and then we are going to do a keep trade drop uh, AFC edition. And I guess before we finish the rundown of the show, it'd be a shame if we didn't at least bring up the Super Bowl, right? Like that just happened. Although, did it just happen? Like that was that was like week fifteen all over again. I mean, not all, not all of us lost in week 15 like you, Eric, so way to be relatable. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like it's been an overreaction by the, the Twitter public about how bad that game was. Yes, there wasn't the offensive explosiveness. And I'm not going to go on the side of, oh, that's just great football, that's great defense. But <laughs> a bad take. But but I was entertained by that game. Like, I, I, I don't think just because – I don't think you need a 37 to 34 game to be entertained. It was an entertaining game. I won't say it's the best game I've ever watched, but I thought it was an entertaining game. 
All right, Jordan, anything on the Super Bowl before we pivot in? Because this is all we're going to talk about the Super Bowl. It's on on to the 2019 dynasty season is, I guess, what we're saying. Yeah, it's like on to Cincinnati. It's, it's, I was a little disappointed in the Super Bowl because it was such a great season that, yeah, just it was such a great offensive season. To see it sort of be what it was was a little underwhelming. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for – this is an exciting time of year. I mean, the grind of the fantasy season's over and sort of the – some of the fun gets back in it. So I'm excited. Yeah. It's, it's the time of year for terrible Twitter takes uh, that tight end who didn't really do anything last year, but is just, is going into his second or third season and him definitely getting hype. Uh, I mean, it's coming, it's coming. The off season is coming. So, um, all right, well, before we get into the show, I do want to do a quick reminder and, and let everybody know that you can uh, help support Rotoviz uh, and this show um, and get a 30% discount off of the Rotoviz NFL Pass for the 2019 season. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Uh, that, as we just mentioned, the 2019 season is a coming. So make sure you're ready. Uh, get your year long subscription. You get unlimited access to all of Rotoviz's NFL content and tools, and it helps keep the light on here at the Dynasty Tradecast. Uh, so get that amazing value and support the podcast network. Again, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Nathan, take us away. Speaking of exclusives, you get exclusive no, no, content. No, we're not doing that anymore. No, 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 you are. Today you are, because guess why? Why? Because today, the Rotoviz, we announced. Uh, honestly, Eric, you and I, uh, we've been brought on to Rotoviz a few years ago, and we haven't written a single article for them. So we're, we're basically jerks uh, okay. just talking on a podcast. But well, I mean, okay. But, 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 but uh, I would like to congratulate. Uh, we've got some new leader, lead writers at Rotoviz. We have FF Ski Ball, Monty Fan. Hassan Rahim, Jay Hoover, 9787, Neil Dutton, Roto Court, and Ben Battle, all the lead writers for Rotoviz for the 2019 NFL season. So if you want their content, make sure you use our link, rotoviz.com slash podcast, and subscribe, get their their incredible uh, writing content, and then, of course, listen to our uh, audio content as well. Absolutely. Um, See what you did, Eric. I'm trying to support the company, and you're just trying to stop me. Dude, I'm all over the company. Just apparently I missed the pre-show, and uh, I did not hear that that was coming in. So kudos to you. Kudos to you, Nathan. You're you're a good dude. Um, all right. Well, take us away for real now. All right. We have our favorite game, the favorite game I, I invented literally four hours ago. <laughs> sophomore star or sophomore slump. We're going to go, f- go through a few rookies uh, in this game and talk about whether they're going to be sophomore stars in their 2019 season or sophomore slumps. And a few of the guys will end up saving for keep trade drop just because it was harder for me to find ADP values. But um, we're going to go through a co- couple guys at each position. So we're going to start off with Sam Darnold, Jordan McNamara. Will Sam Darnold be a sophomore star or a sophomore slump? So I actually got the opportunity to see Darnold play this year. The game against Houston, I was down – at the Meadowlands for the game. Uh, and I was impressed. He made two big time throws in that game that were both of them for touchdowns that I had great looks at in terms of the angle we were at. And the first one, I don't know how he saw it based on the, on the rush. So it led me to go back and look at him in a little bit more depth. I was really impressed with the way that he ended the season and how he looks going to the off season. The question obviously is with Gase, I get the impression that the market's sort of down on the Gase hire, but I don't, you know, I'm, I think I'm leaning the other way on it in terms of, I think, I think Darnold's going to be a player that I'm, I'm interested in going into 2019 because I, 
I think he's the real deal. And I think that the Gase narrative is probably a little bit overblown considering how much instability he had to deal with both in Ryan Tannehill's knee and the entire quarterback situation there in, in Miami. Yeah, I think that that's the the appropriate take. I think the dynasty community is down on Darnold, and I think they will continue to be down on Darnold. So as far as a slump goes, there's really not that much further Darnold can fall. His his valuation in one QB leagues is is minimal. Uh, even in two QB leagues, he's definitely below that middle of the pack mark right now, maybe right at the middle of the pack mark. Uh, but but as you said, Jordan, the, the case higher just seems not to be the answer. Um Looking at looking at the four games at the end of the season coming off of the injury um, that he had that Jordan kind of touched on. I mean, he had some solid games. He had uh, he had almost 30 points in week 16, 24 and 15. Um, he's a player that's been inconsistent. But buying low and being a young quarterback, he's got the talent. What is he? He's also like, what, going to be 21? So it's it's something that I think that, that that as long as he doesn't just get completely harpooned, I think that he's got a very solid chance and the future's up. And I think that the dynasty community is unfairly down on him. And I, I have this feeling, Nathan, that we are not going to have a Darnold naysayer because Dan's not here. What do you say, Nathan Powell? Uh, I will uh, I will uh, edge on the side of sophomore star for Sam Darnold, but I am a bit worried about his supporting cast there. Even yeah. if they do invest at the wide receiver position at, in the rookie draft or the NFL draft uh, or free agency, I think that it's it, he's not going to really take a leap to, from going you know a mid to low end QB two to a top five quarterback. I don't really see that. I don't see a Jared Goff sophomore type ascension coming from Sam Darnold because I just don't see the the, the supporting cast around him. But I don't think he's gonna have a sophomore slump either. I, I think he's a you know gonna be a solid quarterback, a, a high end QB two. And so if I'm, if I'm gonna take one side or the other, it's gonna be sophomore star. And if I'm gonna be talking about whether his value is gonna be cheaper today or a year from today, it's going to be the the, the value is cheaper today to mine today than a year from today. Yeah, that's exactly right. All right, well, let's pivot on and talk about another rookie quarterback, and that is Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Jordan, since you're the guest, we'll give you the first rights on on Allen. How are you feeling going into the 2019 season? Another player who kind of shined at the end of the season here, um, or at least put up big fantasy numbers. So I I spent the basically the six months leading up to the NFL draft ragging on Josh Allen. At UTHDynasty.com, we do the – we basically do pre- player profiles for rookies from basically October in all the way up to the draft. So it was a, you know, we spent a lot of time talking about players and Josh Allen was a quarterback that I just didn't, I just didn't believe in it coming in the whole talk of him being the number one pick in the draft. I just didn't, you know, based on his tape and his metrics, he just didn't fit that profile for me, but the hand wringing got so bad Right. It, it went so far to the other direction that basically he was this bust that couldn't possibly succeed and all of these things. I, I look at it and I, I think that he became a, a big time value. He was actually a player that I wasn't I wasn't a huge fan of, but I became top 10 quarterback. Yeah. So, Alan, I mean, he's a you just look at the profile and a lot of what I look at in the book is is in, in my book is is the profile of the player over the over the actual player. So I look at these guys and, and you, you look at Allen and you know, the hit rate on quarterbacks that are drafted in the, that high in the draft and that are round one quarterbacks, you expect them to hit more than 50% of the time as a fantasy starter. And you're getting him, he, the hand wringing got so bad that he became a third, the late third and fourth round pick. He was the quarterback five for 
large chunks of the rookie draft season, that was just such a clear value to me just because I thought that the odds were higher than anyone you were getting in comparison to that. So he actually became a target player. I was impressed by what, what he did. And I, you know, he's not a great accuracy thrower, but they embraced what he does, which is we're going to spread people out. We're going to get guys running deep overs, Robert Foster. And they, mm-hmm. they just kept bringing in these speed merchants. Right. And some of them failed, right. Corey Coleman flunked out, but they, they keep bringing in these guys, Isaiah McKenzie and Robert Foster. And you just keep seeing these players that they're, that they, that they're going for. And I, you know, that's the way that you succeed with Josh Allen. And he's a high variance player, but I, I, I'm kind of digging him for fantasy. You know, I don't, you know, long term. What about term? Go ahead. From a from the sophomore side though, like are you because because I don't think the value is still depressed as it was during draft season. I mean, are you are you thinking that his valuation is still trending up, um, or do you do you still feel like people are too low on him going into 2019? I think the upside is really high. Right. So, but I think that I think the floor is really low, but I think they've shown that they're willing to embrace what he can do. You know, you look at, you look at quarterback 15, I think he's got top five upside, right? Does, do I think that long-term probably not, but you're looking at guys like, I mean, I would rather have him than Garoppolo, right? I'd rather have him than, you know, at rounds cheaper. I would rather have him than a guy like Kirk Cousins. So, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sort of digging the sophomore Josh Allen, and I can't believe a year ago that I would ever be saying that. But in terms of what they do with him, <laughs> they found they if they continue to use him the way that they did, that is a successful both NFL and fantasy uh, blueprint. Yeah, I mean, and he's pretty much squared away as kind of a middle-tier – uh, quarterback, he is uh, the QB fifteen in the in the most current ADP. Um, so that puts him like right there. I mean, the thing that Allen kind of strikes me right now is like a slightly well more draft capital version of like a Tyrod Taylor of somebody who's got such a floor with his legs and such and and, and really just is not ever going to put just a total turd on the ground for you. Um, oh, I mean, he put on, I, I'm looking at his stats from last year. I see he's put up six points in one of them, but that game, he only passed the ball 10 times. So that's, that's, that doesn't really count. I think he got injured in it, but this is, this is one of those players that he's got, he's got close to, or a hundred or a hundred running yards in three of his, his games this past season. Uh, he's doing, he's doing, you know, upwards of eight carries many times in these games. So for me, that, that floor of being able to rush is, is almost like identical to what you, what the upside in fantasy for Tyrod Taylor was. And the question is, how long does he keep his job? Which I think he keeps his job for a decent bit longer than somebody like Taylor did. It's kind of funny that we're talking about the Bills drafting like another Tyrod Taylor type of person with way higher draft capital. But um, that's that's kind of what I see as far as uh, what you can expect as a dynasty asset. I, I don't know. I, I do think that there's only an up error. If he is truly the QB 15, uh, I could easily see a scenario where he puts up a couple 30-point games starting 2019 everybody loses their mind. It's crazy to me though. You look at like you look at where he's going, and Lamar Jackson's going fifty picks higher. That that I mean that's he's just basically a, Lamar Jackson. Is he's a better version is. of Lamar Jackson right now, yeah. right? It, that's the crazy part to me is that you. I, I just can't see. Uh, he's basically the quarterback three in that in the sophomore class right now, and fifty picks behind Lamar Jackson. I, I you have to take Allen in that equation every time over Lamar Jackson, at least from my perspective. See, uh, for me with Josh Allen, I was all on board with jo- Jordan's uh, pre-draft takes that he was definitely undervalued come re- uh, come rookie draft time. But I do feel like in terms of the trade market today, 
the people who have Josh Allen experience those hundred yard games, experience those those big games from Josh Allen, to where they're not exactly willing to sell off Josh Allen for a second round rookie pick. So um, while I thought he was a great value in that early to mid second last year, I think that his value is pretty likely to actually decrease from from today until a, a year from now. I think that Josh Allen, yes, he's going to be a good fantasy quarterback in terms of the, the rushing yardage and the big plays of the big arm. But I do think that we kind of run into a Blake Bortles type situation where it's like how how sustainable is his production long term yes. with the fact that, yes, he's a, he's a young quarterback and with high draft capital, but is he a good NFL quarterback, which right. is obviously more of a concern in dynasty than it is in redraft. And, and I think that that's really the big question because I, I don't like when I look at him play, I don't think he's a good NFL quarterback, but I do think he's a fantasy pr- production piece. And that, that's kind of what I was getting at with like uh, Jordan's Lamar Jackson. I think reference is good. Tyrod Taylor's kind of the same thing. It's like hold and Blake Bortles, even when he was bad, was still getting you a ton of points. But the question is, how long can they hold on to that job? Uh, okay, let's go ahead and pivot. Let's talk about a player who was injured all of the 2018 season, and that's Darius Geis, currently going off the board um, in the third round of Dynasty Startups um, and, and towards the end of the third round of Dynasty Startups. But it, it seems like people are starting to get hot on Geis again. Um, I guess I'll kick to you, Nathan, just to switch it up here. What are what are your thoughts on this valuation for Geis, and can he outdo this ADP going into 2019 or coming out of 2019? I, I don't think he can outdo a third round startup uh, ADP right now. I'm worried about the Washington football team might be very, 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 very bad at football in the 2019 season. Might be, they, yeah, maybe they might, might be. They might be a top three type pick in the 2020 NFL draft, and so that type of you know bad teamness is something I'm concerned about. <laughs> is is something I'm concerned about with a running back who isn't you know exclusively involved in the in the passing game. So I, I think that. I don't think that Geis is a bad NFL player and a bad NFL prospect, but I do worry about his 2019 production with the fact that the Redskins are going to be very, very bad because they might have Colt McCoy as their starting quarterback or some third-round NFL draft pick this year as their starting quarterback. There's a lot of scenarios where Darius Geis is in a very bad NFL offense. Yeah, I, I think that that's I think that that's exactly right. And, and what I was alluding to, and I'll, I'll just – go ahead and let Jordan speak last here is I just don't see a way and guys guys already has the upside baked into this valuation to me. There's, I mean, he's right around the valuation of carry on Johnson, Leonard Fournette, who we've talked about in, on this podcast as being a sad, sad option in 2019. He's, he's higher than Sony Michelle, Aaron Jones. These are all players that it's not even close. I mean, Philip Lindsay's a guy I'd probably want over guys right now. Uh, I, it's just that I just don't see where he goes up here unless he just blows, just blows everybody away and, and plays all three downs, which I don't think is going to happen in Washington. And I think that Washington's going to be real bad. Yeah. I, I, I see what you guys are saying about the offense. I would caution, like I did a study in my, actually in my book about the quality of offenses and how they actually produce fantasy starters. I, I think it's a little bit overblown at running back. So, and I look at a guy like Adrian Peterson this year, who, you know, one of the metrics that I developed in my book is, is warp or uh, wins over replacement player. And you look at a guy like, so basically I'll tell you how many fantasy points you'll win uh, by adding a player in over what your replacement option, you know, your average replacement option would be. And Adrian Peterson was 
three quarters of a win over replacement in the regular season this year. That's a big, like, that's a pretty big deal for a guy that was on a disaster of an offense, right? Who, you know, we don't think of as a pass catcher who's right. 32 years old. I, I think Geis is a better version of him, right? And if he's just a better version of him, I, I think he can approach a one win over replacement. And maybe there is upside. We don't know, right? This is That's one of the things that at this point in the offseason, we don't know. And so I like to really regress to people's, what we do know about them, which is their fundamentals. So a guy like Carrion Johnson, I mean, for me, it's a clear over Lindsay. I think he's fairly priced sort of in that Sony Michelle conversation. I'd rather have him over Aaron Jones. So the question for me is there's a couple of receivers in that area that would probably be targets. Um, but for guys, I mean, I, I think he's got, I think he's probably got higher upside than I'm probably more bullish on him than you guys are. And I mean, that's, that's I mean, I, I still think he's a good player. And I think he has RB one type upside. I, I, I just think it's a cautionary tale with his 2019 production and 2019 upside. Yeah, and and I mean, I, I think I think coming out of 2019, we might be eating our hat, um, but I, I don't know. I I just I just don't see it. It's, it's a gamble at a. It's a really expensive gamble. I would rather take a much later gamble um, than guys. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and pivot on to a person who was a freshman slump, and that is Ronald Sadness Jones. That's that's actually his football nickname. Uh, Rojo was. Uh, pretty much awful this past season. Uh, was unable to beat a horrendous Peyton Barber out of a job, um, and and just all around looked like all it looked like uh, the Bishop Sankey that that a lot of people were talking about him potentially being. So um, it wouldn't be much for him to blow blow away his sophomore season here. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on uh, on Ronald Jones going into 2019? So I think Ronald Jones and fits into that similar conversation we had about Josh Allen, right? I wasn't a fan of Ronald Jones by any means coming into this class. He was basically, there's been in the past 10 years, there's been two running backs drafted in the first round of rookie drafts that weighed less than 205 pounds and averaged less than a catch per game in college, Ronald Jones and Ray Rice. Okay. The Ray Rice is actually an exception to that because he had Brian Leonard and um, Brian Leonard caught a ton of passes, uh, so I mean, but doesn't that happen at every college though? Every college pretty much has the primary runner and the primary receiving running back. Even Melvin Gordon, who has been a very good receiving running back in the NFL, didn't catch passes in college because they had a receiving running back in James White. Sure. And so I think you so right, I think you you look at those you look at the profiles of the players, and then I go back and I say, Well, let's look at his tape. And he proved to me that he wasn't a very good receiving receiving back, right? He gets taken off the field for a freshman at USC, all of these things, right? He's dropping balls at Darnold's pro day. All, all of these things pointed to me to a guy that wasn't going to catch the ball well in the NFL. And so you look at a guy that weighs 205 pounds and you think, how does he score, right? He's either got to catch the ball, he's got to score touchdowns. And he wasn't going to profile do either of those things. However, so I, we fast forward and he's dropped, what, six rounds in startup valuation since this time last year. I mean, it's probably and, not more. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a, a stark drop. And then I'm, now I'm a little bit more interested. I still don't think he's dropped to a place there's players I like more in that area. But one of the things I found in my book is, again, looking at profiles of players, you look at, you look at second round NFL running backs and you know those of them that don't break out in year one – Right, thirty-five percent of them end up breaking out. Right, so if he's going in round 
12 through 15, that sort of profile fits uh, a a good value in that range. Um, I have concerns. I think I think higher Peyton Barber than you guys do. But, uh, you know, I I just I I wonder how much the knucklehead factors there with Jones. So I'm probably, you know, I'm interested if he falls a little bit more in price, but I'm probably out on him right now. Yeah, I mean, he's the type of gamble that if you're if you're going a purely Nathan strategy of uh, of draft capital, kind of driving what a, a number of your decisions in those later rounds are going to be, uh, that Jones is an enticing pick, and I think that there is an argument to be made if he falls, and he's one of those players that could go full like Cordero Patterson and just start falling, even though his ADP is where it's showing to be, where no one in the league wants to take him, and then eventually somebody's got to take him somewhere way, way down. Um, and, and and Jones kind of strikes me as being that type of player where people really, really dislike him. And there's a strong chance, a decent chance at least, that you have 12 other or 11 other owners in a league that are also very, very low on Jones. So he's a player that I think he, he's almost more, and again, I think if he falls, but he's almost more enticing to me than Geis is just as a price tag of being very, very cheap. Um, but I don't know. Like I said, I, I, I do like other options better in that location. And I think there's better shots to take, but Jones isn't that far away from being like uh, a Laquan Treadwell type player where he's like just free and taking a shot on him because of draft capital. I do think that there is a bit of a factor of the fact that you know people talk about, okay, there's a new uh, coaching regime. Will they either a take advantage of the talent that the last regime could not with Ronald Jones or do they say, wow, that last regime really drafted Ronald Jones? <laughs> like, yeah. let's, let's completely avoid him. So there is a wide variance of his value there. But, you know, he's the type of player that if I'm if I'm going to invest a mid-second round rookie pick in, I might as well do it in the guy who was drafted the second round of the draft last year. And, you know, I, I don't think Peyton Barber is anything in the way of, of, of Ronald Jones. That Peyton Barber is more so, if Ronald Jones is legitimately not a good NFL running back, then Peyton Barber is there. But if... Ronald Jones has any any NFL talent, then Peyton Barber is not going to be stopping that. I mean, they're right. certainly going to shore up the running back position this offseason, right? Like they're, they'll. Stick I, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that they take one in the first two days, which means it's around four right. pick or later. Yeah, I was thinking and like a fifth round, like a fifth and a. Sixth that's, round but that's round. not shoring up the position. That's more just like okay, like this guy's okay if both Ronald Jones and Peyton Barber are terrible. So I don't think they're going to take a guy that shores up the backfield. They're, they're going to take an insurance policy in case both are bad. Yeah, that's fair. I also just opened his uh, week 2018 uh, like bye week scores, and yish, yeah, that's that was a lot worse than I thought it was. I thought he was like consistently putting up like four points points a game, but the number of goose eggs here is significant. So um, yeah, he, 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 didn't, he didn't really play. So yep, no, I'm seeing that. So uh, I actually, I just, I just thought he'd actually played a little bit more because I don't have any shares of him at all. So I assumed he he had a little bit of run, but really got nothing. Um, all right, let's go ahead and pivot off of Jones and talk about uh, a player that actually did have a really good 2018, and that's Calvin Ridley, a player that broke out early in the season, kind of uh, stuttered a little bit in the middle of the season, and then showed up a little bit at the end as well. But Julio started to break out finally, um, as respect with given the Calvin, I think. What are we doing with Calvin Ridley? Is he a player that we see rising? Um, and then where's his valuation at right now? For me, I see Calvin Ridley as a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three as far as dynasty value and that like 20 to 25 wide receiver type range. And honestly, I feel like most people who were fans of Calvin Ridley saw what they were expecting in 2019 or in 2018. Yeah. And the, the, the people who weren't fans of Calvin Ridley were, were, you know, pleasantly or unpleasantly surprised by his production as the wide receiver two in the Atlanta offense. 
I kind of always had him pegged after he was picked in the first round is, are right, this guy's going to replace Sanu? And so Sanu has always been a fairly productive, uh, you know, player in the Atlanta offense. So I believe uh, I said I, that Sanu would still have a role in 2018. Which, got which, which he, he did. Yes, but he didn't have nearly the role that Ridley did. So shut up. Um, so wow, my, my point I will here, not my, shut up. He has, he has many <laughs> fantasy points, sir. Okay, fine. But Calvin Ridley, he's the Atlanta wide receiver two, which is a productive role from a fantasy perspective. And he's been playing, he played well in his rookie season. You can only expect that to get better in year two. So I think he's, you know, wide receiver 20 to 25 range. And um, the people who who hate on him just aren't going to end up buying him. People who have him probably aren't selling him either, just for the fact that, you know, they, they, they uh, benefited from the points in 2018. And Ridley is going at the end of the fourth round here. I mean, his, his valuation is pretty up there. Um, and then also I'd like to point out, Nathan, while we're talking about facts here, Sanu only had 20 less points than Ridley in 2018. So, And he's also 18 years older. So there Facts. You go. <laughs> I, they, I'm just proving that he had value in 2018. I'm going to go roll back that podcast where I got laughed out of the room. All right. I'm sorry, Jordan. This is uh, this is classic tradecast bickering here. Uh, thoughts on thoughts on what Ridley can do going into the 2019 season? Can he outdo that fourth round valuation? I think he's fairly priced with who you're looking at around him, and you know I, I will I will tend to regress my thoughts on a player towards their draft pedigree. And so I wasn't a huge fan of him coming out, but the round one wide receiver thing speaks to me, right? We know that that is a, a highly productive subset of players, and it's important, um, you know. So I see him with a guy like Sutton and right next to each other in ADP. And that's, I mean, that's an interesting sort of dichotomy in styles. Um, you know, I, I'm never, a, I've never really been a huge fan of Ridley. I actually don't think I owned him in any spots in, in rookie drafts. Um, I'm probably, I don't know, I'm at the market and I feel like I'm not going to get him. You know, I, pr- I would probably say I'm a little bit beneath where the market is on him and I'm probably just not going to get him. Yeah, I find myself in completely the same boat. And, and as Nathan mentioned, the people who didn't have Ridley are just watching from the sidelines sad. I'm not mad, Nathan. I'm just mostly sad. All right, let's wrap up the uh, rookie slash impending sophomore conversation with Anthony Miller, the wide receiver two for the Chicago Bears, or maybe the wide receiver three, depending on who you ask with Taylor Gabriel at the helm of the Chicago Bears. It's a wide uh, receiver two. All right, well, Anthony Miller. Uh, what are your thoughts on Anthony Miller entering year two? Do you think he'll be a sophomore star or a sophomore slump, Mister Jordan? Yeah, I'm I'm out on Anthony Miller. I just again we talk about profile. Is it because players. he's old and you write for UTH? Is that the reason? <laughs> no, no. I, I I mean I think I think age based production is a big deal. Um, but I I also think you look at you look at draft pedigree and right. Day two wide receivers are a terrible investment. <laughs> um, you know, they by and large they they hit at a very a lot lower rate than we give them credit for. Right? They hit, uh, you know, they hit basically a third of as much as round one wide receivers do. And I think that you have to you have to account for that. Um, you know, how do you get a guy like him in an offense that wants to spread the ball around a hundred plus targets? Because that's what you need to be a wide receiver too. Yeah. So, I mean, I look at, I look at Anthony Miller and, you know, the age-based production is a big deal. He wasn't, he wasn't particularly productive from an age-based perspective in college. And, you know, you look at day two wide receivers, they just, they don't hit that often. And we talk these guys up. It's, it's tough for them to hit because you don't see, you just don't see that many targets, you know, day two, day two wide receivers hit 22% of the time. Right. You keep loading yourself up with players like that 
and that's a highly inefficient roster. So you, I, I am, I'm off of that type of profile, generally speaking. And Anthony Miller is the perfect example of the player I'm not really interested in based on my research. So to, to expound on that a little bit, um, maybe to get to your dynasty philosophy, but the Anthony Miller, the the guy who's going day two as a wide receiver, is basically the prototype for guys I want to take on the second round of rookie drafts. So what do you do with your second round rookie picks if you're not wanting to invest in the Anthony Millers of the world? Yeah, see, the it's it's actually funny that you you say that because I think that day two drafting receivers in round two of rookie drafts is a is is essentially a terrible bet. Um, they are highly, highly unproductive. Um, one of the things that I look at is is a metric called warp, um, and they're amongst the worst in terms of warp. They're the, amongst the worst in terms of my adjusted warp, which actually incorporates their starter rates. Um, they're just they're just bad bets, right? They're bad receivers in round two of rookie drafts are are amongst the worst bets, and in terms of you're basically hoping your your average receiver drafted between picks 13 and 18 of the NFL of the of rookie drafts basically 0.5 top 24 seasons that's a massive drop off from the first round of rookie drafts if you compare them to running backs in that range running backs average a starter season in that range of the draft. So anytime you're sort of taking these situational guys, right? The Gallops of the world, the Dante Pettis, the Anthony Miller in that range of the draft, it's a, it's a highly inefficient way to go about drafting. So, so, so I just want to bring it back to the dynasty. So what are you doing with your second rookie picks? Drafting running backs. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. David Johnson. Sounds good. All right. Let's get into our mid roll as the kids say. Hi, Rotoviz fans. Allow me a brief second to tell you our good friends at the FFPC, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. While maybe the off-season for most people, it definitely is not for our listeners, for the players over at the FFPC. If you're a diehard who's ready to draft right now, the FFPC best ball leagues are already open for the 2018 season with drafts forming daily, starting at just $35 entry fee. Are you a fan of the Dynasty format? Over the last few years, the FFPC has become the go-to destination for serious dynasty leagues. They now have almost 300 active dynasty leagues starting at $77 and even have a $3,500 dynasty league. And the best part is not a single dynasty league has folded in nine years. Limited orphans, uh, orphan teams are available for purchase right now. And the brand new startup dynasty leagues will be opening shortly. Don't miss the FFPC experience. Rotoviz listeners, go to myffpc.com and register now. That's myffpc.com, the home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football, both redraft and dynasty. That's how we do it. And now it's time for one of America's favorite games, Keep Trade Drop. Drop, 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 drop. Keep Trade Drop. And so over the next couple of weeks, uh, as in the next two shows, we're going to be doing some Keep Trade Drop. Uh, this week we'll be doing the AFC. Next week, next week we'll be doing the NFC, and we'll be doing it by division. So we're going to start us off with the AFC South. Basically, we're, we're looking at uh, teams, uh, players in the same division that are being valued similarly based on ADP. And so we're going to start off with the AFC South: T.Y. Hilton of the Indianapolis Colts, Corey Davis of the Tennessee Titans, and Leonard Fournette of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, Jordan, uh, in case you didn't know, keep trade drop uh, is Basically, you're keeping one player, you're dropping one player who has the least amount of value, and trading one player based on market value. So what are you doing with this AFC South? Man, this is tough because I, 
I'm probably dropping Hilton. I think at this point in his career, he's eroding. Um, I am probably a buyer on Leonard Fournette and Corey Davis. So it's a tough question for me in those two. Um, I, I think that both Corey Davis and Leonard Fournette are undervalued by the market. Um, I would guess I would probably have to keep Fournette because he's got a lower trade value and probably trade Corey Davis. But I think both of them have start have round one startup potential in their profile. So, um, you know, both of them really interest me. Oh man, I guess I, I gotta go as a Leonard Fournette apologist for so long, I guess I, and now I'm just off the bandwagon. I guess I've got to say I'll drop Fournette. Um, and my, my big fear there is I just worry about Fournette, Fournette really falling off of the radar completely and going full Trent Richardson, which you never want to do. Um, I'll go ahead and dump Fournette. Um, I will, I will sell, I'll hold Hilton just because for whatever reason, T.Y. Hilton's valuation just never seems to be high enough for me. That's why I have him on every single team. So I assume I wouldn't be able to try find a trade partner. And then there's always a Corey Davis buyer in one of your leagues that's infatuated with him. So I'll sell, I'll sell Davis just thinking I could get the most for him. And my keep trade drop will be, I will drop Leonard Fournette. Um, as someone who tried to sell Leonard Fournette to Russell Clay last night during the Super Bowl, uh, he was not willing to pay anywhere near the price that is acceptable for a lender for net sell. Uh, so I'm dropping him because I don't think I get enough value for him. I'm going to sell T.Y. Hilton because much like there's the, you know, the youth truther, the, the guy who's going to be investing in young guys in every league. There's also the guy who buys up all the veterans at, you know, more of a premium cost than what you would think. So there's someone in your league that will pay more for T.Y. Hilton than you would think. And Corey Davis, I will keep because, he hasn't broken out quite yet, but he also has shown some flashes. So I, I think that he is the keep among this group, the guy who is worth the value that he's currently being presented. What would be what would be the valuation you would be trying to sell T.Y. Hilton for, Nathan? Like, I mean, it's it's, it's so tough to say because normally we can say these things in terms of rookie picks and like the 103 is worth less than the, the 101 and the 106 is worth one less, less than 103. But it's so wide open with rookie drafts right now that you can't really put it in terms of what the rookie picks are worth. So I'll put it in startup value. I, I would say I think you can sell Hilton for a third round startup value. All right. Very good. All right. Let's move on to the AFC North, Nathan. AFC North, we'll start with Lamar Jackson at one quarterback in a one-quarterback league, James Washington of the Steelers, and Antonio Callaway of the Browns. Start with Jordan. Yeah, I'm probably going to, you know, piggybacking off of what we talked about earlier, uh, I think I'd probably drop Jackson at this price. I just, I think at top, you know, he's basically the 100th overall pick. That's just too rich for me in terms of what I saw this year. Um, I would say I would sell Antonio Callaway, a similar conversation that we had with a guy like Anthony Miller, except even worse because he's a day three wide receiver and day three wide receivers hit 5% of the time. So that's, that's a place that I'm selling. I would trade him right now. And I would, uh, I would hold James Washington. I like the profile. Again, if you're going to be in on, if you're going to be in on day two receivers, they basically have to fit two specific categories. They have to be big time metric guys and the cost has to be good. And so James Washington was that for me. He was a big time, uh, he was a big time metric prospect coming out of Oklahoma State, and I thought his cost, basically going in the the early part of round two, was palatable. He had a you know in a in a lesser class, he's a first round rookie pick all day. So um, yeah, that would sort of be my take on the FC North. 
Yeah, I'll I'll dump Lamar as well. Um, I, I he's another player that I'm not sure is actually good at at football. I worry about him just being a talented like he can he's he's electric and he creates production, but I just I just don't see him being a long term answer in the NFL. So if he was my franchise quarterback, I would not be very happy about it. If I was a Ravens fan, and as a Bengals fan, I'm actually kind of happy about it. So I think that's telling of what I think of Lamar Jackson. I have him a couple places, so I'll be selling him eventually. Um, uh, you know what? I'll um, I'll dump Callaway just because I feel like Callaway's going to um, like there's going to be a little bit of buzz around him, and, and I, I agree with Jordan completely. I think I've agreed with Jordan this whole time. Uh, is uh, James Washington's the type of player that I want to hold on to and and see where this offense goes in the future? I will agree on the hold with you too with James Washington. I think that he's the most talented of this group. The guy who has the highest dynasty value and and is worth you know what he's currently being valued at. But I will sell Does Lamar. He the highest valuation right now, out of this uh, group. I mean, it. I mean, yeah. obviously, I, it's really close. I, I would say between him and, and Lamar. But I think. I, I mean, obviously, all three of these players are close in January ADP, which will change in February. But I would say Washington has the highest uh, dynasty value, and Lamar I think has more dynasty value than Callaway, just simply because there's going to be the one guy who is obsessed with rushing yardage from the quarterback position and maybe the one guy that's optimistic about the Ravens future with Lamar Jackson under center. So I'm going to, I'm going to sell Lamar Jackson. I'm going to find the one guy who's, who's really excited about him and his rushing yardage and sell him. And I'm going to drop Callaway. Uh, so I, I think that there's going to be more, more people excited about Jackson than Callaway, even, even in a one QB format. Yep. I think that's all fair points. Let's move on to the West, Nathan. AFC West, Damian Williams, Royce Freeman, or Hunter Henry? Keep trade drop, Eric. Um, I have, I mean, and, and I feel like I've seen the rumors of Damian Williams valuations right now. Um, if that's, if that is a mid mid round first, I'm selling Williams all friggin' day. Um, but if it's, if it's within the realm of reasonable, he's probably my hold. So assuming that he is in fact worth, something like the 105 I will dump Williams um, I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and hold Hunter Henry I don't have a problem with him whatsoever um, I think I don't know that people are particularly down on him right now and I don't think it's a knock at all him being injured last season uh, and Royce Freeman I'll go ahead and sell um, I mentioned earlier like having being pretty high on Lindsay I, I Freeman is a player that that will continue to chip into Lindsay's usage but he he's I worry about his, his short-term production, and, and with running back, that's really all I'm looking for. Yeah, I'm probably – I'm with you exactly on Damian Williams. Like, if you gave me a 2020 – a random 2020 first, I'm taking it for Damian Williams. Uh, that's sort of where I would be on him. Uh, wow. I mean, you could do that all day with the value. Like, I, like Nathan, you concur with me here. I mean, I feel like I'm seeing crazy valuations in the, in the middle first the next year. I, I feel like you can get a 2021st from 40 to 50% of dynasty owners. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with that. I think you can get far more, though. Yeah. Uh, I would I would probably aim for a 2021st plus, you know, an ancillary running back. That's sort of the type of trade that I like to employ. And one thing that I found in my research is I actually think that, that rookie picks are under – undervalued and especially the random the quote-unquote random pick a year out uh, i think that it's uh, probably 20 to 30 percent undervalued by where the market is so that's one thing that i i i found that i would try and employ in this particular scenario um so if i could do that i would sell him um i'll go the other way i'll keep i'll keep rice freeman 
Um, uh, you know, I look at Lindsey. Lindsey was one of the most efficient running backs. He's the second lightest running back to hit for a top 24 season in the last 11 years. Only light. The only person lighter was Tariq Cohen actually this year. Um, I, and I look at Lindsey and he's a guy that did most of his work on the, yeah, I think he, upwards of 60% of his work on the ground. And you look at Cohen was basically the exact opposite through the air. Um, that light running back with low pedigree and a coaching change, that's a dangerous profile in the top five rounds of a startup draft. So I'll take the other side of that and take Royce Freeman. And I like Hunter Henry a lot, but I'd be forced to drop him in this scenario. All right. My picks will be I'll sell Damian Williams for the, the mid first of the future uh, 2021. I will keep Hunter Henry. The, the tight end is Baron Wasteland right now. And I think that, People, I mean, I was once a person who didn't really believe in Hunter Henry at all. Thought he was, you know, very overvalued, particularly before his injury last year. But I'm kind of coming around. I'm thinking, you know, Titan is so bad, and he's shown flashes. And Antonio Gates is probably done. And so Hunter Henry is going to be like the tight end six in 2019, as far as like, production standpoint. So I'll uh, I'll keep Hunter Henry. I'll sell Damian Williams, and I'll drop Royce Freeman because basically, for Royce Freeman to be successful. It's reliant on either Philip Lindsay being worse than he was in his rookie year or a Philip Lindsay injury. So I, I'm not going to bank on the injury or the regression, and I'm just going to take Hunter Henry, sell Damian Williams, and cut Royce Freeman. Let's you do took the, exactly the right take, by the way. That's exactly the right take. You copied my work. It's cool. Okay, I, that's, that proves I don't listen to your work. So there you go. <laughs> um, I knew that already. Yep. All right. Let's finish off with the AFC East, and it's going to be a trio of Kenyon Drake, Robbie Anderson, and James White. I'll start us off here. Uh, I, I think that there's limited trade value involved in all of these guys, but with James White, he's never, ever, ever going to be uh, worth the trade value of the points he's providing, even if it's he's strictly being provided, okay, that he's the Pats passing game in the backfield. So I'm going to keep James White because he's per, uh, perpetually undervalued. And I'm going to sell Robbie Anderson uh, because I think some people see his big playability and the fact that he could be the Jets wide receiver one because they have nothing else. And then I'm going to drop Kendrick because I was on the Dynasty Blueprint with Ryan McDowell. And he told me that Deshaun Hamilton had more Dynasty value than Kenyon Drake, which means that you, you don't have any – if you have less Dynasty value than, than Deshaun Hamilton, you don't have a Dynasty value. Your turn, Jordan. <laughs> oh, those late-round – wide receivers. Um, I would, I'll get rid of Robbie Anderson. I just, the whole stuff with the cop thing really wasn't cool by me. So I've just never been a Robbie Anderson fan. Um, I would trade James White. I, I, I think that he, you know, similar to what you said, you probably aren't going to get the full value out of the points he produces, but I, I, I like James, I like Kenyon Drake's pass catching ability. And I don't know if he'll ever be a full on, running back one in terms of leading an offense, but we have a coaching change. We'll sort of see, you know, how that, how that unfolds, but I, I like what he offers in terms of a skill set. So, um, and I like Balazs there as, as a hedge on him too. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't disagree with what you guys said, except for now I'm going to disagree with what you guys said. So, uh, <laughs> For me, I mean, I love the Deshaun Hamilton uh, barometer. That's that like is uh, how many Hamiltons is he worth? If it's less than one, he's worthless. Is that basically what we're saying? <laughs> yes. He's like he's like worth like 0.8 Hamiltons, and that's that means he's he's not a dynasty asset. Uh, yeah, I mean Drake for me, it's it's the party's over. I'm out. I, I'm done. Although really, the party 
started and really just went on a real rager and then fell right off the right off the track. So for me, Drake's never been a guy that I wanted to roster. And he's one of those guys that I talk about it on the pod all the time. One of those guys I never feel super happy about actually having in my lineup. Uh, White seems to me is, is pretty much the most valuable of this, this group. So I'll sell him. Um, although I do think White's a player that if you have on your roster, I think he is a really high floor uh, pass catcher in a PPR league that's that you can have for like the next five, six years and feel pretty comfortable with. Um, so if you do have a contending team um, or need some consistency at running back, White strikes me as being a player you might want to keep. But I'll personally sell him because I think you can get a first for him. Uh, and I'll hold Anderson. Just the talent that he has is has been good, but uh, I, I do hope that he breaks out even further than where he's at right now. And on that note, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap up. Um, anything else, Nathan, before we wrap the show? No, just allow Jordan to, to plug away in Nini's plug. All right. Well, uh, well, I, I do want to thank you, Jordan, for joining the show. I appreciate you coming on. First time on the Dynasty Tradecast. You're more than welcome back anytime. Uh, once again, uh, for those of you that don't follow Jordan on Twitter, make sure you check him out. McNamara. Uh, McNamara uh, why can't I do this? I had it right, didn't I? You did. McNamara Dynasty uh, is his Twitter account. And then you can see his work at uh, Under the Helmet, UTHDynasty.com. And make sure you check out his book, The Analytics of Twitter. Uh, Anything else? Analytics of Dynasty, not Twitter. (laughs) I'm sorry. What did I say? Twitter. Yes. Yes. Different. (laughs) Analytics of Twitter, very different. (laughs) That'd be a whole different. That'd be a whole different subject. (laughs) Yeah. That would be a much more far reaching book, but uh, but it wouldn't be nearly as interesting, I don't think. Uh, uh, Sorry. uh, Analytics of Dynasty, Jordan. I guess, is there anything else you wanted to, to plug? before we head off yeah you can check out the book analytics like i said there's some content up there talking about some you know just some specific topics on players and and such um and if you have any questions reach out to me at mcnamara dynasty i can talk to you in dm if you have questions about the book um and go ahead get the book it's 30 dollars um can now's the perfect time to start thinking strategically about the off season and about team building. And, you know, you don't have anything pressing coming up in terms of setting rosters or anything like that. So you can sort of think big picture. Um, this is the perfect book for that, right? It's not a 2019 startup guide. It's a, an overarching strategy book about how to make better decisions. And, um, you know, I, I go through something I call the 8% process about how you think, uh, you know, about making top 8% decisions, league winning decisions. So um, a lot of that, it's about 140 pages. So you can check it out and um, at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop to go ahead and order. All right. Awesome. Well, uh, on that note, make sure you leave five-star ratings and reviews for the podcast. That helps other listeners find us. We always appreciate that. Uh, make sure you check out rotoviz.com. They keep the lights on for this particular show and is a fa- they're a fabulous website. Um, Nathan, anything else before we wrap, or do you have something else to say? Kadoosh! All right. Well, as he always says, Kadoosh, that means the show is ending, and we'll catch up with you guys next week. Take it easy. Yeah. Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. 
Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.